Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I've got with me someone I've been waiting to talk to for a long, long time, Hayley Nash. Welcome, Hayley. Thank you. Hey, now I heard uh, all about Hayley from the beautiful Annie Seaton, so of course I had to track her down and bring her on to the podcast. <laughs> what I hadn't realised, Hayley, is that you used to work for Pan Macmillan and Harlequin and Booktopia, I've just found out, yeah. um, but you represent some of our very own beautiful authors that we have here on Rider on the Road, Josephine Moon, which I haven't got yet but I will, uh, Lily Malone, Annie Seaton, and Nikki Edwards and Lisa Island, and that's just mm. to name a few, isn't it? Yes, it is. I currently have 18 signed authors. Yeah. Now, where do we start, everyone? We've got our very own agent here in front of us uh, representing both indie authors and traditionally published authors uh, with some yes. depth of experience. So how long have you been an agent? I've been an agent for two years, two years in October, um, after leaving Pam McMillan, um, and it's been an incredibly interesting journey, but... Uh, really fulfilling and very nice for my ego because <laughs> uh, it was terrifying starting out on my own, um, particularly as I, you know, have a, a child and a husband and, you know, there's bills to pay. Um, but it's been so rewarding, absolutely so rewarding. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here looking, everyone, at this amazingly healthy, glowing woman who's just <laughs> got back from the gym. Uh, if there's any uh, reason that you need an entrepreneurial life, it's so that you can do what you want, when you yeah. want, and work until midnight every night. That's exactly right. It's like I can still I can still finish my manuscript appraisals up till two in the morning and be up at six to play Barbies with my three-year-old. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the life of a working mother. Uh-huh. Um, now you talk about appraising manuscripts. You've got all these amazing authors on your books at the moment. You've had all these wonderful experiences. Now for our listeners who are uh, avid readers and writers, uh, being represented by an agent has actually changed over the years, hasn't it? Uh, mm. What's expected? Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of people now who aren't represented, who are being published. I don't have the exact percentages on me but um because publishers have to be smarter than ever and more connected than ever um just because of the wide range of things that are selling and the way that trends and genres change um there's they're more connected to writers so agents you know still have an incredibly valid place but some people are find they can do it on their own, which is brilliant. Um, and I'm always um, careful to tell people what my what I do, um, what their money, what their percentage, you know, pays for, really, um, and also to let them know if they really need me or not. Um, so because a lot of uh, authors have found 
a publisher through Instagram or vice versa, the publisher's gone direct to them because they have a huge um, amount of followers or whether they have a hugely successful blog or YouTube channel. Um, often if they're speaking, if they're very business savvy and they're speaking directly to their audience and that's who they're going to publish towards, sometimes they don't need an agent. Um, however, at the very, very least, um, it's useful to have an agent, one, because we know the contracts and know where there's wiggle room and, and where someone's being stiffed potentially. Um, but we get to be bad cop, basically, um, and we get to make sure that the author and publisher relationship is unscathed when you're getting into those nitty-gritty things when things are getting a bit uncomfortable. It means the, the author can say, oh, I'll just leave that for my agent, and we get to <laughs> play hardball. And, and meanwhile, they get to have a lovely, supportive relationship with their publisher. Yeah. Now, that's really cool, everyone. I I'm still haven't gotten past being stiffed, so I've written that one down. I love it. <laughs> Uh, now, I would suggest, and I, I guess this goes for all of us, and especially when we're starting out, there's so much to know and so much to learn. And even with indies, it's very, very difficult to keep on top of everything. And even the fact that you said you can find a publisher or publishers are finding people on Instagram. Mm. I mean, I guess I know it was um, Wattpad. I know um, yeah. publishers were scrolling through there at one stage as well, yes. um, searching out um I've done that before. Yeah. Uh, but having an agent to help you navigate seems like a pretty savvy thing to do, I should imagine. It is. Um, and, you know, while everyone is, you know, you've got to be careful because writers earn so little, uh, you've got to be careful about anything you're paying to someone else <laughs> to take any chance out of, you know, the amount that you get paid. Um, at the same time, it's it's such a multifaceted process. I mean, it's editor most agents depending on what career what stage of your career you're at will be giving you editorial feedback so i will do developmental and structural edits sometimes copy edits depending on what's necessary um you know it's 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 pitching to publishers which is a huge part of of what we do and finding a way to frame the book that is going to be palatable to a publisher um which is often incredibly hard to do as a writer because you're so close to it um, and, you know, I know a lot of authors who don't read in the area that they write in because they're worried about, you know, subconscious plagiarism and stuff like that. So whereas we read across the genre and we know the sales figures, we know what's trending, so we're able to make those comparisons. Um, and we have relationships with publishers and with um, both publishing houses and the publishers within those so that we know what their particular tastes are, so we know who to pitch to and we just get you know, basically our emails read so much faster <laughs> than a, a writer can through the slush pile. Yeah, and I know, like, slush piles have always been the bane of writers' lives. Yes. And I guess they're not... I didn't even know that they use slush piles anymore, but I believe that publishers have Open Door Fridays and all that kind of stuff yes. now. Yes. Um, but not only can you get, I guess, our writers' works in front of a publisher, mm. you can actually get it in front of the right publisher. Yes, exactly right. And, you know, in an ideal situation, um, you will have, um, you know, maybe three publishers in the ring towards the end. Um, and it's not just about what they're offering in terms of advance and um, royalties, but, you know, publishing plans and how they, their vision for the book. Um, if they're going to have a marketing outline um, and publicity and what they're talking about so that it may actually be that you accept less of an advance because you know that the right 
publisher is actually going to put more effort behind marketing and and sales and publicity um and you're going to earn that money out anyway in your royalty so it's about giving you that one getting in front of the publishers and then helping you choose the right one yeah now i'm guessing one of the reasons you're so popular is because my very first question is choosing the right agent and with your background and your experience in the publishing industry i should imagine that you have a few writers knocking at your door yes i have a um a very large inbox of unread manuscripts. I have my own slush pile, which haunts me <laughs> because I know how much amazing stuff is in there and it's just a time thing. Um, and, you know, with agents, a lot of our time is unpaid. Um, even once we've signed an author, there's so much work that potentially may never get paid. Um, if, if the deal doesn't come through. Um, so carving out time to read is, is hard. Um, but, yeah, I've because I have been on the other side of things, um, I have an intimate knowledge of where, um, particularly in marketing, where different opportunities that are available to authors um, and what a contract looks like, what things publishers are willing to give on and what they're not. Um, and how the publishing cycle works. So, you know, if if it's three months out um, from release and you've just finished your copy edits, then I'm a bit concerned because I think that advanced, like, proof copies should be in media by that point. So to generate interest. So they're the kinds of things that I'm aware of because I've been on the other side. Yeah. Now, starting right back at editing, I'm surprised mm. that you said you take on the editing process because that's a huge field all on its own. Do you charge separately for that? I have two separate sides of my business. So I do paid editorial for um, for people who aren't my, my authors that are signed with me, who aren't represented, um, uh, for structural and copy edits um, as well as manuscript appraisals. And the other side with the agenting art, is not paid. Um, well, it's paid in as much as if I get commission eventually from the deal. So while I don't, while I'm hesitant to take on works that require a lot of work from me, just because it's very time consuming, um, I, if I think the person has a platform and a really great voice, then I will do that work with them. Yeah. Now, I know you you have a great champion in Annie Seaton, and I know um, she and I have been having this fight on it for the whole time of writer on the road about indie versus traditional mm-hmm. and i know she's hybrid she does both yes but her career after all the hard work that she's put in all the years she's put in she really is an overnight success with the latest book uh with sunday dawn isn't she yes yes and i, I mean and i mean that's the thing for overnight successes there's always there's all those years of pining weight manuscripts that haven't been accepted um and i know that 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 phrase whenever I read it about musicians and about writers anyone in the arts really um it's, it's such a kick in the teeth because it's never the case um and the, the truly great writers there's no way they're overnight successes because they've honed their craft over many years um and Annie is I mean I signed her based off of um her success in hybrid publishing with um with Entangled and with um and her own self-publishing um, and I bought her when I was at Pan Millen a three-book contract based on three chapters, um, which is very, very rare. Um, usually you will 
sign someone for fiction on a full manuscript um, and not uh, committing to three books straight up is, is big as well. Uh, but she, I knew what a hard worker she was. I knew she already had an audience um, and I knew what was selling at the time. And she has just gone from absolute strength to strength. Um, and seeing in the background as an agent what she does and how when she gets the right support she can just fly um, is, is just brilliant. And with Sunday Dawn has, has proven that. And she's one of the hardest working authors I know. Yeah, she's a bit of a nightmare, everyone. Um, she's the bane <laughs> of my life. She's always trying to make me work. Um, <laughs> work ethic is, is mind-blowing. Yes. And um, she was always going to succeed and she would have succeeded as an indie anyway. Mm. Um, but the fact that she's now in Big W and all those kinds of places and she mm. writes about the beautiful Whit Sundays, I might add, everyone, which is gorgeous. Mm. Uh, for the rest of us, as you said, a full manuscript uh, mm. to get it in front of you. But I'm guessing there is another way uh, for us in the next little while, everybody, but you've got to live in Queensland or be prepared to fly. You've got, <laughs> you've got your very first, re- is it your very first retreat? It is indeed. It Tell us retreat. about it. This is exciting, everyone. It's very exciting. So I've been aware of Friday's retreats for a long time and they're very rarely run by agents um, or publishers. Um, so I discovered there was an opportunity. I chose um, Queensland because it's stunning. Um, and we'll probably, given how well this goes, we'll probably move, have some in different states at different times of, and of varying sizes because um, we can have up to about 20 people attending this one. Um, so I've teamed up with Josephine Moon and Rachel Johns, who are both best-selling women's fiction authors. Um, and know a lot about their craft and have give insight into the craft itself and also um, publishing their publishing journeys, you know, which have both been, um, have their ups and downs, but both are really at the height of their powers now, um, as well as Alex Adset, who's another agent um, who I have a great relationship with. Um, she's a friend of mine and is just an absolute gun when it comes to contracts, um, copyright, and why you need an agent, the business of agenting and why, why we're helpful. Um, she just won the Story Council grant as well, so a fellowship, I believe. So she's, she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. And I have no qualms about having another agent on board because we come at it from different perspectives. We have different lists. Um, and, you know, the writing community is actually really small, particularly the book industry side of things is very small. So you have to be supportive of each other and and have that um, have that network to, yeah. to really succeed. So um, aside from those speakers, I'll also be speaking. My junior agent um, Jamie will also be there. She'll be mostly helping me run things, but I suspect we'll be happy to have her ear bended um, about different manuscripts. Um, we have various masterclasses throughout and workshops as well as, you know, time for actual writing time, which I think is half the appeal with retreats. But I guess the, the difference with this one is that you do have that industry knowledge coming through through those masterclasses. Um, and then aside from that and the sort of fun networking that we're doing, we're also, I'm doing partial manuscript appraisals for people who um, buy the full package. So that's a, an appraisal of three chapters and a synopsis and a, which with a, a report and a sit down with me, the consultation. So that's a good way, I guess, to quickly get feedback on your writing. Um, 
while just soaking up um, as much knowledge and as you can really in a really beautiful setting. So I'm incredibly excited about it. I find that whenever I'm involved in writers' events, um, even as an agent, I'm just really enlivened by the passion that surrounds writers because it's it's a tough game, but um, it's run by this absolute love and obsession with writing, which being around it is, you know, is catching. Yeah. Now this is held at Mount Tambourine, everybody, which is just mm. down the road for me. I've got my eye on this for yet another one of mm. my Christmas presents. <laughs> uh, so I've got a few questions to ask, so bear with me. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm going to ask the same questions that others will ask as well. Sure. Uh, how much writing of our manuscript do we need to have done for this to be of benefit to us or the most benefit? I think it's useful to have most of a manuscript mapped out. Um, now, by mapped out, I mean you may only have, you know, the first five chapters, but you've got a synopsis there. Um, but because we're gearing it to both to all sort of to narrative nonfiction as well as fiction, um, it's, you know, a lot of people who are writing narrative nonfiction sometimes won't have a full manuscript and they don't actually need a full manuscript to be signed, um, depending on, you know, their background, what the story is and their, and their profile. Um, obviously, the more you know your story, the more that you can tailor what you're hearing um, to, to what you're doing. So that's, that's really useful. But at the same time, it's not just about craft, it's about the business of being a writer as well, which you'll get not just from Alex but from me as well. So I'll be presenting on, you know, industry trends. It's a great time because I will have all the 2018's um, sales data from Nielsen, which um, <clears throat> is incredibly useful for writers to know what's selling because there can be um, a perception of something that's done really well and that you've seen reviewed and you've seen in, in stores and actually it's not sold very well, while another one that you may have only seen in W has perhaps sold double that number. Um, so that insight into, into trends and what's working and what isn't is really useful. Um, so, and that's something that only people who work in the industry will give access to. And we, and because you have to pay for Nielsen subscriptions, um, it's tightly held information. Um, so I'll be, I'll be talking about that as well. And as well as, you know, just how to pitch, which, um, is a skill that, uh, is useful for anybody, no matter where you're at in your writing career. And I have heard from various people, um, I, I do a, a writer's course with um, the Peter Cullen Writer Centre, which is out of um, Edith Cohen University in Perth, well, in Joondalup. Um, and I'm teaching them, I'm mentoring some people and, and teaching them about how to get ready for publication. And some of the things that I hear about pitching um, that the advice they've been given is just so far off track. Um, so I, you know, can talk from a publisher's and an agent's perspective about what I want in a pitch and how to do it well. So that's, that's another useful skill regardless of where you're at with your manuscript. All right, I've got, I'm going to take a little sidetrack here, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, how can we resist? Uh, getting ready to pitch, mm. what have we got to do? Okay, so you've got to have a shit hot, three first three chapters um and have it be the first three i mean i know some people say oh i want i've given you a little bit of the middle a little bit of the end but i much prefer the first three chapters and they need to be strong you know i'm not saying you need to block building 
or have, you know, an intense sex scene or anything like that, but you need to show that um, beginning of plot points, um, strong character and some of those little hooks and a little bit of foreshadowing in there that's going to get you across the line. Um, you need to have a good bio that is useful, um, that has great information that will not just, um, you know, who you are, what you do, but any, any particular points of interest that may be used for a publicist further down the line um, to get you a feature. So how does something in your life tie into what you're writing? So, and why you're interested, what, like how you came at the story, how, you know, why you're inspired to write it and if there's any personal ties. I remember reading, uh, hearing a pitch from a manuscript and then reading that manuscript and twice the woman had forgotten to, um, and it was, it was well written, it wasn't quite ready, but it was very well written. She'd forgotten to tell me the really strong family link that, the tied in with a well-known um, Australian historical figure that is the hook. Um, and she forgot both in the pitch and then when she sent it to me. Um, so that, you know, those kinds of ties you need to be reminded of. Um, comparative authors. Now, while some people are hesitant to do this because they feel like they're big noting themselves, um, you know, I had a manuscript recently that said it was a, a tie across between two best-selling authors and one, one best-selling author who was commercial fiction and one who was more literary. And, you know, even though it sounds self-grandizing, I, I read it. I read it straight away. And she was on the money. Um, so if you know, don't just say because you write commercial fiction that you're the unmoriarty, um, but be aware of who your market actually is um, and what's working because it, as soon as you sell it to the agent, the agent is then selling it to the publisher and the publisher is selling it to the bookseller or to their sales team and then the bookseller and all of those hooks, if you have them right up front, you're making everyone's job easier. Yeah. And, and they can so, see it. Yeah. And it's so hard. You've got to be, you've got to be heard above all the noise there now. Oh, yes. You? Yeah. So, everyone, we're all going to be the next up and coming Annie Seaton's and Rachel Johns, wouldn't it be? <laughs> Excellent. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, look, it's at Mount Tambourine. Uh, there's... When I say there's a substantial cost, it's actually not. For for what you're getting and what you're describing, I think it's a couple mm. of thousand dollars, everyone. And for those, yeah. Yeah, those of us, yeah, and those of us who can take our caravans get a little bit of a discount, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we've managed, we've set up another um, ticket where um, if you just, if you don't need accommodation, um, that will give you access to all of it without the accommodation, um, which, which makes it a bit um, easier for the locals. Um, and there's also day packages available as well. But, yeah, I guess if you think about what a manuscript appraisal may cost you, so for a full manuscript appraisal for an 80,000-word manuscript, I charge about $800. Um, for a partial, um, even though it's significantly shorter, you're still writing the full report and mapping out, you know, giving ideas with the synopsis and everything else, I'm still charging $500. So... If you look at that, the fact that that's already included in, in the $2,000 plus accommodation, plus all meals, um, plus the shuttle, plus the fact that you're hearing from, you know, another agent and two best-selling authors, it's, it's fairly reasonable. And, I'm, you know, no one knows better than me how little writers get paid because I get a small chunk of that little amount. Um, but it's the kind of thing that is very worthwhile investment, I believe, which is why I set it up in the first place. 
Yeah, and it's um, even when you said, look, you do a full appraisal which gives a full written report, mm. even if you can't attend the retreat, which is just shaping up to be really great, and I think it's in February, but I'll confirm the date with you in a minute. Mm. Yep. Uh, even to be able to send something off to you, get a full appraisal, remember you've got to be found in the um, Haley slush pile to start with, <laughs> um, and a partial, even a partial on, on three chapters for mm. $500. That's of huge benefit to those of us who are still floundering and aren't quite sure that we're on the right track we need a bit of support we need a bit mm. of much in the right direction yeah. um, everyone going to an agent of your caliber Haley, you know what's out there you've worked in the industry you're, you're actively seeking new writers mm. because australians writing scene is really burgeoning isn't it mm. Mm. it is absolutely and i mean particularly this year um Australian crime has hit an all-time high. I mean, it's, it's been happening since the dry came out in 2016, but um, it's just had phenomenal, phenomenal success. Um, and you're seeing it now not just with Jane Harper, but with a few, with Christian White um, and Chris Hammer and a few others. So it's, it's really cutting through. And crime for a long time was a dirty word in publishing. It just had a complete slump. And now you're seeing those books selling overseas and having film rights sold. Um, and it's just really, yeah, it's brought more readers to it. And that's what you'll find with, with any trend is that um, one big book will happen and then there's a bit of a cloud effect. They'll attract more people. And it may, sometimes it gets flooded, sometimes it doesn't. So with erotic fiction, for instance, with Fifty Shades, um, you had a few big sellers and then there was a whole glut of it for a while and then it completely went away. Other times with things like domestic noir, while you're no longer seeing the girl on the train and books like that hitting the top 10, you're still seeing people who now have established careers because of that, that genre and you find it attracts more readers, sometimes people who haven't read before or read sparingly and they're reading more because they found an area that they like. So it, it's any big trend that comes up is really useful for the whole industry in that way. Yeah. Now I'm putting together this magazine, everyone, which you'll all hear more about and copious amounts about. Um, <laughs> and I've got N Natasha Lester in it. And oh, fantastic. Yeah, taking taking her books to the world has really shone a spotlight on us as well. Kate Moore mm. already, you know, 10 streets ahead. Mm. Uh, now we've got Natasha out there, um, Belinda Alexander, all those people doing all that wonderful work for us. Mm. Um, you say crime fiction, uh, crime fiction with um, Chris Hammer's Scrublands, mm. the book that we're talking about here today, if you, and Christian White we um, had on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say for, I guess, um, the likes of us who, who love Kate Morton and Natasha? Are you seeing that genre going ahead as well? It's still working. I mean, it's a smaller genre because a lot of people are funny about historical. Um, if it's split timeline, it's easier. If you've got, you know, a current timeline and then a historical fiction, and I love them. Um, there is, you know, for historical fiction and then moving into saga, um, there's a huge appetite in Australia for that. Um, and so few people do it really well. Um, so publishers are always hungry for a well-written saga. Um, you know, the, the Wool Growers Companion did incredibly well. Um, there's, and I'm always hungry for it, and I know Australian publishers are, and if it's got um, an overseas element, um, then chances are it'll, it'll be picked up. Um, but, yeah, there's, there, there is appetite for it. Australian... Uh, Women's fiction, and particularly upmarket commercial, 
women's fiction, which is basically incredibly, like it's still got a strong plot um, and, and great complex characters, but it's just that um, beautiful writing as well, that kind of book club read. Um, overseas publishers are really hot for that and that came out of Frankfurt is that, um, you know, people are, are still really hungry for that and Australian writers do that really well. Um, one of my authors I can't currently name because the contract's not signed yet, but had a, a lot, actually two of them had a lot of interest at Frankfurt and one of them has a deal that's come out of it. Um, and they're writing this, you know, basically smart women's fiction is sometimes how, what I call it. Um, so it's, I guess it's in a way that it, I think it sort of touches on those themes that domestic noir did and that the, the personal um, everyday stuff that we go through that is actually incredibly interesting to write about um, and can be a huge plot even though these things do happen to all of us and it's those the way we deal with them and our emotions around them um, and the complexity in that that makes it a novel. So there's still a lot of appetite for that. Overseas. Yeah, I'm, I'm madly Googling here, everybody, because um, at the Frankfurt Fair last year I saw a huge banner um, and it was Girl on a Plane, our, our very <laughs> own Sandra O'Leary, and, and she had front and centre stage on the Frankfurt, um, uh, what is it called, what do you call it, book buying fest or whatever mm-hmm, you call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you attend those things? Do you, do you get to jaunt around and go to those things? Um, I had a sub-agent there for me this year, um, The Rights Hive. Uh, so Natasha Solomon is my sub-agent who represents some of my titles overseas. Um, and sometimes I self-represent authors overseas, but it just depends on the amount of time I have and the connections. And a sub-agent has, like Natasha, has connections with um, publishers through herself and through her own sub-rights team in all territories. So I will use her to go there. I'm hoping to get there next year. Um, I know it's absolutely exhausting because you have sort of 10-minute meetings and it's just back-to-back. Um, but the mood of Frankfurt was, from what I hear, was very, very positive. Um, and that can really inform, as a good sort of reflection of what's happening in books generally. Yeah. And I think one of the things that authors or some of us don't do very well is keep up to date with what's going on because you just mm. haven't got the time. Yes. Now we're expected to be author and businesswoman mm-hmm. and, and promote and all the rest of it. Having someone such as yourself with your just the depth of knowledge that's even coming through here today is almost a gift. <laughs> it's very kind. I mean, it's, it just takes um, having an agent does mean that while we can't do your social media for you, um, but we can give you advice on how to do it, um, it just means that you can focus on writing. Um, and then if you're published, the writing and then the editing and the publicity. <laughs> so taking away the concern about what else is out there, who you should be writing to. Um, and basically you have a cheerleader who is constantly chanting for you to anyone who listen. Um, and, you know... We're therapists as well. <laughs> you know, people who go, oh, my, my latest book is that it was crap and it's not going to go anywhere and we're there to remind you, actually, no, it's not and here's why. And, you know, maybe if there's, you need a sounding board on editorial or um, you've had a failed relationship with the publisher, um, working out with your agent how to re-strategize um, and how to, how, to find, how to keep your career going. 
Yeah. Now I'm playing around with titles as as Hayley speaks here and I've just, I can't even keep up with the notes, everyone. Um, <laughs> but I love the title, Everyone Needs a Cheerleader. And then she yeah. added, and a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. it was perfect. Yeah, we're all <laughs> uh, Now the benefit that I can see, uh, especially of the retreat, I'm harping on about the retreat coming up because it's February and we're all looking for Christmas presents. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefit I can see for that is, for the conferences coming up throughout the year, like I'm going to the Australian one, the New Zealand one, and um, the Romance one in New York. Oh, going, fantastic. Yeah, going to your, yes, I know, I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, but going to your retreat, mm. um, being set up with that pitch, being set up with those first three chapters, there's still time, everyone, to polish your three chapters, get mm. them under Haley's nose, um, get to meet Rachel um, and Josephine in person. Mm. Um, Everyone should go to one of these things at least once so that we come off as professional. Mm, I, I, I think so. Um, to, I've, I've sat through a number of pitches over the years and the people who present confidently um, and who, who know, sorry, are you going to hear some dogs in the background? That's my dogs. Um, and because it's uh, a very popular time of year for posties, um, it's very loud at my house. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, if you can present well and if you know your work um, and that often comes through speaking with someone who knows the industry and who knows what's selling um, and then added to that um, some really good craft insight, um, then you're already streets ahead. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's useful, you know, at any, at any point. Yeah, and the, and the trick is yeah, and the trick is make sure you've got a good story to tell. Um, mm. And and I think there are a lot of writers out there floundering around, and there's so many writing courses run by people who can't write very well, which is one of my little bugbears. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we should get together and talk about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, um, just um, just before we wind up, I'm remember this is part of our summer reading series, everybody, and I'm hoping to touch base with Hayley. I've, I've asked her, will she come on as a regular guest in our uh, Author Success Stories writing magazine where uh, you can share more of your knowledge. Um, and Hayley's agreed right. to nod it ahead. I don't know where she's going to fit in. I think it's 3am to 4am. Uh, yeah. um, but I just want to throw in that one that I love the most, indie authors. Why yeah. would an indie author need an agent? What a silly question. Okay, so um, I know a lot of indie authors who want to be hybrid. So I represent Claire Connolly. Um, oh, we love Claire Connolly. Yes. Everybody. She's my favourite. Yes. She's okay. beautiful. So she, um, you know, she self-represents her indie stuff and that's fine. But when she had a manuscript that didn't fit in with her indie stuff um, that she wanted to get in front of other publishers, that's when she came to me. Um, you know, she's also published by Mills and Boone um, and represents that herself as well. Um, and then I sell her other ideas to other publishers. Um, and... Because I have that background in romance publishing and digital first publishing um, and because I look as an agent towards um, self-published indie authors who want to um, maybe be given something different with a traditional publisher, whether it's by continuing what they already write but, you know, reaching a broader audience in print um, because there's just people who won't come with digital and digital sales have plateaued. Um, far more than anyone ever expected. We thought that they would get to 50% and now they're not really any more than 20% for publishers. Um, it's a very useful to talk to an agent, um, even if it's just to reaffirm that you're happy doing what you're doing. 
Um, but if you're writing something that's a bit off genre from what you already do, or you want to test the market and want to know if there's an appetite for print for what you're doing, um, traditional publishers, even for indie authors, definitely have a place because they know how to find readers, how to expand your readership, how to get publicity, how to how to give you that, how to bring your editorial to that next level, which, you know, some indie published authors, and I'm not including Claire in this because she's just a gun, um, just haven't had that um, editorial insight given to them um, because they're not potentially paying the amount that a really good editor will charge. Um, you know, if you're you need a copy edit and that's not even talking about you know structural or proofreading or anything else if you want to copy edit on a say 60,000 word manuscript you're looking at potentially two thousand dollars um but you need to be investing that to have you know good quality work um and publishers at the very least bring editorial into it plus so much more so i think it's always worth assessing where you're at and if there's yeah if there's a way to move across or to be hybrid um and even just to talk about um, career management, you know, what um, do you want to move into a, a different genre? Do you um, want to go with Kindle Unlimited or, you know, what's the best way forward? How do you get your books into audio? Representing other rights, you know, like film and, um, and audio and translation. Um, there's a lot of things that an author can do outside of, uh, sorry, that an agent can do outside of representing you to a traditional publisher. Yeah, and this is an interesting conversation and I'm just sitting back nodding my head and taking mm-hmm. notes because uh, I don't know, agents that are good must mm-hmm. be so overworked because the, the benefits are, are just clear. And mm-hmm. Claire Connolly is a great example, everyone. Uh, I had her on the podcast early on. Now I've got to tell you she's another Annie Seaton. These guys just <laughs> yeah. spew out of their mouths um, perfectly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but these ladies are prolific mm. and it makes sense for them to go hybrid and hit the traditional markets after such success at their indie careers mm. simply because um, I remember I said to Claire, why on earth would you want to go traditional when you've been so successful as an indie? Mm. And she said it's always been a dream of hers to be published um, by Harlequin. Uh, mm. And I'm guessing that's what you found for her because she's now very successful with Harlequin. Well, she had actually just when we met... Um, she just signed with Harlequin, um, but she now has a deal with Chule Publishing, um, who are overseas, and they have a great um, relationship with Hallmark as well. So they're, they're getting a lot of their books made into movies, um, which, and Hallmark, while, you know, everyone has an assumption about what it is, has a huge um, viewership um, in, you know, in the US and obviously here as well. So, um there's, there's that happening and there's also always always other things in the pipeline uh, for the traditional print, which obviously I can't speak about, but um, there's, and it, you know, that's probably not a surprise to anybody because if anyone knows Claire, you know that she's got a thousand different ideas bubbling up at any, at any point 
Yes, she's she is everybody, and and she's a good friend to everybody. She supports yes. all of the rest of us. She's always there on social media, um, promoting mm. everyone around her, which is what we love here. Mm. Uh, Haley, I could talk to you for hours and just listen <laughs> and write. So, look, if you're not doing anything, anyone, and you're looking for a Christmas present, um, this conference or this um, retreat is shaping up to be amazing in one of the most yeah. spectacular parts of Australia. I've got to tell you, <laughs> um, for all our overseas listeners, I forgot to mention this is in the hinterland of the Gold Coast. It's rainforest. Uh, it's stinking hot down on the coast at the moment, so it's good to, to good to escape up to, I think it's Cedar Creek or somewhere like it that. It is Cedar Creek, yeah. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. So if nothing else, mm. and Hayley says, no, that's crap um, manuscript, uh, you'll <laughs> kick back with a glass of wine and listen in anyway. <laughs> and work out how to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe you've got to send back to your room, to your desk to work harder. Um, <laughs> But it, but it's certainly exciting times. Haley, thanks for today. Um, thanks for having and, me. And I look forward to um, having you back. Um, as I said, the invitation is there for you to write for Author Success Magazine. I'll um, take it up. Yeah, because we are crying out for guidance and advice. Uh, and even those of us that are published, I know when you found Annie Seaton, she was pulling her hair out, so it was absolutely fantastic. Um, she stopped crying and turned into this wonderful, cheerful person again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not true, everyone. I'm making up. Uh, uh, now, where can we find you? And I know this is a really dumb question, but if you've got a slush pile yourself that's as big as the moon, how do we get over it or round it or under it or through it? Um, have a really compelling letter or email to me um, that says uh, who your comparative authors are. Not just I wrote a manuscript, it's YA. Here it is. Um, yeah, who, who it's similar to that is selling well. Um, what's interesting about you that will make my job easier to sell you because unfortunately I'm not just selling a manuscript, I'm selling you as an author. Um, and yeah, amazing three chapters because, you know, if I've had a really fantastic, and one of my authors I, I did this for, um, if I have a really fantastic email, um, I'm, I'm always on my phone reading my emails and I'll be sitting there while something is on ABC kids and ostensibly spending time with my daughter but actually reading manuscripts on my phone um and if something pops up that's really fantastic I will sit there straight away and read it um because the premise is so compelling so you can have a really great um personal pictures in who you are and what the story is um and a great hook then you've got me yeah. Now, nothing has changed, everyone. That's always been the case. Way back in mm. the olden days when we were doing international reply coupons, we mm. always had to send out our first three chapters and our uh, synopsis, which mm. is an absolute rotter to write. Mm. Uh, yes. So practice, make sure you, you get some advice on that and Google it if you have to. But Google the right people. That's something Hayley and I are going to come back and visit, I hope, is, is who to listen to out there because, you know, there's mm. some scary stuff. Yes, there's a lot of people making money on uh on the craft of writing who haven't made money from their own writing um which generally is telltale sign to avoid it yeah <laughs> and and also um the best way to write is bum on cheer and write mm, exactly right yeah oh that's a very great merry christmas um uh note to finish on where can <laughs> we find you you can find me at um the nash agency or you can email inquiries at thenashagency.com.au and we're also on Facebook. Yeah. You just search the Nash Agency Australia, you'll find us. 
which is what I did two minutes before this interview. Everyone, exactly. I've got to confess. <laughs> uh, now, keep in mind um, to get Haley's attention. Don't forget to go put down the beer in, is there in the chair as well, and the people that plan the story to tell because she's watching <laughs> play school and she reads your pitch. Yeah. <laughs> That's it from another episode of Rider on the Road, and hopefully Haley will see you at the retreat. Thank you. I hope to. Bye for now. Thank you.